Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. Be here. And, you know, over the last year, I don't know how many people have said to me, so what's it like being retired? Do you miss being back there? You know, and all those things. And the truth is, it's great being retired. I'll just say that to be with. It is great. But, my goodness, there's a lot of things I miss here. And this is one of them. Um, I miss the community here. And I guess what I'd say to you people is, I hope you realize... Don't take for granted Acadia Divinity College. I mean, there are lots of things. Those lectures are important. Those assignments, all those things are great. But this community uh, of faculty and staff and students um, and God in our midst, just realize, realize um, that this is a, a tremendous gift and that that's one of the things I miss greatly. I think back, you know, for a couple of years I was part of a cohort of academic deans through the, an organization called the Wabash Institute. And so I was meeting with all these other deans regularly and they would talk about their seminaries. The faculty wouldn't change, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go through it, but, and I just try to keep silent and smile because this is an amazing place. And so the second thing I think of when I think of my thankfulness here is the way in which this seminary seeks to prepare you well for a very different world than what it was, well, yesterday. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I think of the Futuring Hub and I think of the Decolonization Initiative and all these things, like just, I just say to you, I miss that because this place is about where God is going. And it's great. So anyways, end of that. But it's good to be back. Good to be among you and to be part of this community. <laughs> Let me read from Ephesians chapter 2, just a few verses. Verses 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which Christ lives by his spirit. My sermon title is, Cloneliness is next to godliness, right? Now, I'm dating myself with that sermon title because most of you won't know that back in the early days of contemporary Christian music, CCM as we called it back then, in the early 1980s, Steve Taylor released a single entitled, I Want to Be a Clone. It was great. It was great. Amen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and in that song, I Want to Be a Clone, Steve Taylor satirically extolled the virtues of cloneliness in church life. 
that once a person becomes a Christian, it's essential to fit in, to look and act and think like other churchgoers. As his lyrics put it, I asked the Lord into my heart. They said that was the way to start, but now you've got to play the part. I want to be a clone. <laughs> be a clone and kiss conviction goodnight. Cloneliness is next to godliness, right? What a, what a crazy idea. Who would, ever, who would ever think that way? What followers of Jesus, having experienced the love and the grace of God the Father, having been released from the bondage of sin, as we just sang, by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, having been freed by the Spirit, would think that every Christian should be confined to being like everyone else in the church. Who would do that? Well, we can begin with Jesus' disciples in Mark chapter 9. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop. He was not one of us. Jesus, you need to protect your franchise. <laughs> you need to exercise some control. Do you want to just let anyone drive out demons? In your name? Or maybe the believers in Jerusalem, when they heard that Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius and that the Gentiles had received the word of God. You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. You could just feel the, when they said the word ate with them, what was going through their minds? Bacon. I don't know, but anyways. <laughs> They are Gentiles. They are not like us. They eat things we don't eat. What if this keeps happening? What if more, be, more Gentiles become Christians and we become the minority? What if they start eating ham on Easter Sunday? No wonder they were concerned. Or maybe Peter in Antioch, who freely associated with the Gentile believers when he came to visit Paul until some folks from the church in Jerusalem arrived to check out what was going on. Peter suddenly stopped associating with those new Antioch believers with their sketchy backgrounds to the extent that Paul had to publicly rebuke him for falling in line with what the old guard from Jerusalem expected instead of acting in line with the word of God. Even the apostle Peter was ignoring the word of God to fit in with what other people told him. To quote Steve Taylor again, they told me that I'd fall away unless I followed what they say. Who needs the Bible anyway? I want to be a clone. The truth is that the temptation to be a clone is very enticing for Christians. When we're like everyone else in church and everyone else is like us, when we all worship the same way, we all act the same way, we all have similar cultural backgrounds, well then we can, we can avoid being challenged to think in new ways. We can get by without extending grace when there are differences. We can avoid changing. 
But of course, the major problem with that strategy from my experience is that my greatest times of spiritual growth have been when I have been challenged by others to think in new ways, in different ways. When I've had to extend grace to people who are different from me, or when other people had to extend grace to me for ways I was different from them. For times when I've had to make changes in my life that I did not want to make, those times have been the times when I have had to learn to trust God more deeply than I ever had, when I've had to follow the scriptures instead of my own sometimes very strong opinions. When I've seen God work in amazing ways through people who live out the Christian faith in ways that are different from the ways I live my Christian life, I'm reminded that Jesus Christ is Lord of his church, not me. There is a lot of change taking place around us in Canada these days. And when I see all of those changes taking place, honestly, I'm very excited by the possibilities for the church. At the very time when it seemed that spiritual vitality is at a low ebb in many Christian churches, spiritually vibrant immigrants who are devout followers of Jesus are moving into our cities and our small towns and our little rural communities. At the very time when evangelism in Canada seems stagnant, I see international students at our universities and colleges showing a great openness to hearing and responding to the gospel. At the very time when not enough Atlantic Canadians are heeding God's call to pastoral ministry in local congregations, God is calling students from across the globe to study at Acadie Divinity College. These new opportunities will be lost if we stubbornly determine that only clones can fit into our churches. That only those who fit our Atlantic Canadian mold are welcome. Because the truth is, in God's providence, we need each other. New Canadians do need, I think, to understand and appreciate ways that God has worked and is working here in these Atlantic provinces. We have an amazing Christian heritage in this part of the world that can inspire and encourage us all. But that doesn't mean that people of different cultural backgrounds and experiences have to fit into our cultural heritage and ways of worshiping and living out our faith because people of other cultural backgrounds can share with us a vibrant Christian heritage of their own, of your own that they bring like a dependence on prayer, a faith in God that our churches and our church leaders desperately need to regain. They can challenge our often too intellectual and socially lifeless and loveless ways of practicing the Christian faith. These have been tough times for the church in Atlantic Canada. They have been. Too many congregations that were growing and thriving one generation ago are now withering and dying. And one of the common responses of leaders in those declining congregations is a bunker mentality. 
let's freeze things as they are. Or even better, let's freeze things the way they once were. Let's bring back the ways things used to be. The way we want them to be. The way that makes us feel that we all fit. Let's hunker down with the faithful remnant and keep things as they were. But there isn't much of a spiritual life for a church that's frozen in time. In, my, in our 43 years of marriage, my wife Rosalie has gone to many baby showers. I always thought it was sort of a mysterious thing. I had no idea what went on at those things. <laughs> And I hope I don't sound too uncharitable when I say that I consider myself to be baby shower averse. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally an invitation would specifically say that the baby shower was for both men and women. I would make very sure I had something else scheduled for that <laughs> evening. So one Sunday, at church, this absolutely wonderful couple, um, they had moved to St. John from India a few years before, and they came to us and said they wanted us to come to their baby shower that week. And I politely declined, and then they insisted and the conversation became uncomfortable until I realized I really wasn't going to get out of this well. So I decided I could grin and bear it as long as I didn't have to play any of those baby shower games. <laughs> they told me they wanted me to lead in prayer during the baby shower. And I thought, well, I guess I can say grace for the lunch as well as anybody else. So we went. Now, the first thing was, <laughs> I, never, I never imagined there could be so much food at a baby shower. I mean, this was, this was a huge meal. It was about 50 young adults and Rosalie and me. About half of them were folks who had moved to St. John from other parts of the world. About half of them were men and women who had grown up in St. John. And so we ate this huge meal, and then the MC announced it was time for prayer. And would all of those who'd been asked to lead in prayer please come up to the front? And so about a dozen of us went, and prayer began. And for 45 minutes, this group of people prayed, and we were led in prayer by these folks from various parts of the world. It was, it was wow for 45 minutes, I'll just say. It was wow. We prayed for 45 minutes at a baby shower. The prayer time was the central event of the baby shower. This was not the usual Canadian baby shower. These were prayers characterized by faith, prayers of thankfulness, prayers of love, 
sincere prayers from the heart, it was 45 minutes of wow. 45 minutes of being conscious that God was with us as we all prayed together. It was powerful. Not only for that family that was the object of the prayers, but it was powerful for the many Canadian young adults who are witnessing prayer by their friends, their age, in a way that they had never experienced or witnessed in their Canadian cloneliness of praying. It was a powerful encouragement for me to see the sincere devotion of those young adults who have become part of the fabric of our very diverse congregation. One Sunday after church, a young man came up to me and said, could you please come and pray for my car? I'm thinking, <laughs> car troubles, what's happening? He'd recently graduated from the MBA program at UNB. He was from Ghana. And so he had recently been hired for his first professional job. He had bought a new car. He wanted me to come out in the parking lot and pray a blessing on his car. I'll just say I was a little self-conscious in the church parking lot. He gathered his friends around for me to pray for his car. I'd not done this before. I have now done it several times. For MBA graduates from Ghana. And I have to say, I thought, wow. Because when I asked, why do you want me to do this? They explained. They wanted to give thanks to God. They were able to buy a car in Canada. And they wanted me to pray that they would use that car for God's glory. And I thought, in our Western materialism, do we think of our possessions as something to use for God's glory? Is that part of our prayer life? Is that, is that how we look at our car? Do you own your car or does God own your car? Those are two examples of how, I guess, my Canadian Christian life, two of many examples of how my Canadian Christian life and our church have been enriched by people. Well, they're not clones. They do not follow Jesus exactly the same way that I always have. I am not saying that Canadians need to start mimicking those people by having our cars blessed in the church parking lot. I'm not saying that every Canadian couple should have a 45-minute prayer time at the baby shower. But I do think that I have learned and that we Canadians can learn much from the practices that people of other cultures bring to our congregations. And I have to say that those same folks from Asia and from Africa and from South America, who are part of our church, would be the first to say how their faith has grown in new ways as they've become part of the church here in Canada and have learned from us. That is the church. And all of that brings me back to the scripture that I read at the beginning. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, 
and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul was talking about a first century church comprised of Jews and Gentiles, not an easy thing. Jews and Gentiles who, in spite of their huge cultural differences, were being built together as the church in which God powerfully dwells by his spirit. We live in an amazing moment. We live in a moment of great opportunity here in the church in Canada. We become increasingly aware of the ways that our indigenous neighbors can contribute to our understanding that will challenge us in ways that can weaken the hold of individualistic, materialistic, power-focused Western culture on the church so that Jesus will be at the center, the chief cornerstone. We can welcome and incorporate people of other cultures fully into the life and the leadership of the church, not as foreigners and strangers, but as family, fellow members of God's household. May we, as the Church of Jesus Christ, open our hearts to the work that God's Spirit is doing and wants to do right now, right here, in this time, in this place, as he brings cultures together in his church for his glory. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.